0: welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 336 of the Impopular podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. Here's the Impopular podcast. I'm not really asking you to agree with me. I'm asking you to hear me out. Going into the playoffs, the NBA playoffs, that is. We knew that the Denver Nuggets was a better overall team than the Phoenix Suns. Especially after that trade, the trade that the Phoenix Suns did to acquire Kevin Durant. We knew the the Denver Nuggets were a better team. I mean, they finished number 1 in the West. They had the two-time MVP. Like we we knew they were a better team. The reason why a lot of people picked the Suns to win is because we, the Suns have better individual players. Like, you have Kevin Durant. You had Devin Booker. We saw the run Devin Booker went on in this playoffs. But outside of that, there were a lot of questionables, like the health of Chris Paul, like the health of DeAndre Ayton. But a lot of people thought be, the, you can ride the ride the talent – of a Kevin Durant, of a Devin Booker, to get you past the better team, which is the Denver Nuggets. But what did we get in Game Six? We got a, a, a an, for lack of a better term, an ass whooping of epic proportions. The Suns pretty much lost by twenty-five points. I think it was one twenty-five to like one hundred. However, it, they were down by thirty at the half. It it was it was a it was a the game was over pretty much after f- five minutes in the first quarter. Now, when you look at a loss like that, you try not to compound it with everything that we saw in the season, everything that we've seen. In the past, you try to look at it for what it is. It's one loss. Now, unfortunately, that loss kicked you out the playoffs. But you wanna, you don't want to say that it was a failure of a season for the Suns because I mean, you you only had eight games in the regular season with a fully healthy Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton. So let me not say us the 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 sons would like to tell themselves that this wasn't a failure of a season because the the core didn't play along, play enough games with each other and like i told multiple people before, or like i told people or like i to, on this podcast going into the playoffs the the playoffs is not a place where you want to build a camaraderie where you want to build Habits with your teammates. That's the playoffs is where you're able to lean on your teammates and lean on the relationship that you have with your teammates. You don't go into the playoffs hoping to build camaraderie and and and, and build a flow with your teammates. It just doesn't work because you're playing against pl- teams that already have that flow, that already have that that knowledge of what their teammates are going to do. So. When you're the when you're the Suns, you're playing catch up already and while yes, that can work against a Clippers team that didn't have a Chris or didn't have a Paul George, didn't have a Kawhi Leonard most of the series, that's not gonna work when you have a fully developed team, a team that's been playing with each other for a while, a team that already has a chip on their shoulder, and ultimately the number one team number one seed in the West. So if you're the Suns, that's what you're gonna tell yourselves. Or that's what you're going to tell yourselves and make yourself feel better. But let me tell you why a loss like game six, losing by 25 at home, why this spells doom for the Suns and why I feel this iteration of the Suns is over with. I said, I started off by saying you don't want to compound multiple years, or you don't want to compound what you see this year, what you saw in this playoffs, to what you've seen in past playoffs. But you have to when we're talking about this Suns core. I mean, you have to when we're talking about this Suns team. Let's just go back three years. And why, and, and this is, I'm going to paint a picture and why I feel. Next year's sons are gonna look very different than this year's. Let's go back three years. Three years, three years ago, they were in the or two years ago, they were in the NBA Finals. They had a 2-0 lead in the NBA Finals. They lost four straight. They lost the finals to Giannis and the Bucks. Next year. They were, I think they were the number one seed, or yeah, the number one seed in the West. A lot of people thought that this was going to be their year. And the only team that you really felt they had to overcome and get over in the West was the Golden State Warriors. So Chris Paul had a career year, Devin Booker had a career year. It was, a lot of people thought that this or last year was the Suns' year. What happens? You make it to the second round. You go up against a team that you're supposed to be superior in, and that is the Dallas Mavericks. While, yes, Dallas had the best player in Luka Doncic, as we've seen so many times in these playoffs, the best player doesn't ultimately mean you're going to win the game or you're going to win the series. You go up against Dallas, better team, fully healthy, by the way, And you get smacked by 30 in a game seven at home. Now we're today. Now we're here. At home, you have Kevin Durant, Devin Booker playing at an all-time historic pace in the playoffs. And you're down 30 points at half. Again, we understand and we know that the Nuggets are a better team. That's why While a lot of people don't want to give the Nuggets credit because maybe they don't watch a lot of Nuggets games or they're not a fan of of how Nikola Jokic plays or how he approaches the game, I understand that. The Nuggets are not the flashiest team. In fact, the Nuggets have really no flash to them outside of Jamal Murray. There is not one (laughs) Nuggets player that would be on a highlight mixtape outside of Jamal Murray at times but when we talk about structure when we talk about offensive efficiency when we talk about assists when we talk about best players the nuggets were the better team but just because they were the better team that doesn't mean that the that the suns should have went out the way that they went out and and this is why i'm I feel that this is going to be there's going to be drastic changes let me start with the coach. Let me start with Monty Williams. Now you guys understand. You guys know me. You know that I'm not one to call for a coach's job, especially a black coach's job. I feel I've I've always been under the impression that the players play, not the not the coaches. So the the, the onus should be on the players not performing or the players not executing more than the more than the coaches. But this is why you have to, this is why you have to compa- look at the entire story. And this is why you have to go back three years or two years ago when the when the Phoenix Suns were in the NBA Finals. One, Monty Williams suffers from something that I, I feel a lot of coaches suffer from. And it, and it feels like, Monty Williams, you can ask a, a lot of people and you can ask when you when you hear monty williams name and, and you you ask around about him you hear nothing but glowing reviews about monty williams as a person he's a great person or he he's a really he's he's a good coach or he he's just a personable person he, we know about the tragedy that happened with his wife but monty williams is just a good person But sometimes you have to put aside the personality and and look at exactly what we're seeing from Monty Williams. Monty Williams suffers from the same thing that a lot of coaches suffer from. And that, in my opinion, is you're so stuck to a game plan, going into a game, that you don't make a lot of adjustments. The beauty of, 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 of a playoff series is... You should see multiple adjustments when needed. For instance, I'm going to talk about now I'm going to do my caveat that I do every single episode. I am recording this Friday afternoon, meaning the game six of the Lakers game and game six of the Miami Heat game. I've already had. I've not happened yet. So I'm 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 gonna give I guess a prediction, and of course when this drops tomorrow I you will you will know what happened. So I would have to speak very generic when we talk about the Lakers and we talk about uh, the, the the Knicks. But when we look at this Golden State Warriors and Lakers series, at least on the Golden State Warriors side, you're seeing nothing but adjustments, and of course most of those adjustments are 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 how to guard anthony davis because anthony davis is the player that is drastically changing this changing the series or change the series for the lakers you saw jermichael green get a start you see gary payton II get starts you see steph curry play more on ball because as we know steph curry thrive he can he thrives whenever he's on the floor but His best, he usually you'll see a Draymond Green carry the ball because of his playmaking ability and because how deadly of a catch and shoot or how deadly of a a player Steph Curry can be when you're running plays for him. But you're seeing nothing but adjustments from the Golden State Warriors, which is why a lot of people have touted Steve Kerr as one of the best coaches now. Again, I don't know they I believe I'm I believe Golden State more than likely is going to lose game 6, which is of course tonight. But that doesn't mean that we're not seeing adjustments. You're seeing adjustments when you need to. Hell, you're even seeing adjustments in minutes. Jordan Poole hasn't really played that well. He's been cut minutes. Steph Curry's playing more minutes because we know the plus minus when he's on the floor and when he's not on the floor. Dante DiVincenzo's getting more minutes. You're seeing adjustments in that series, is what I'm saying. When you look at the Suns series in the in the in the in the, in the NBA finals against Giannis and the Bucks, for some reason he never changed the way that he defended Giannis. For some reason, I understand Giannis is Giannis and the Bucks or the Suns probably had absolutely nobody on the team that can guard uh, that can guard Giannis but for some reason he had Deandre Ayton as the primary defender for Giannis and Tentacupo. You go back you go back last year against Dallas for some reason they never changed the way they guarded uh Luka Doncic never they just kept sending single like what, what what the Dallas Mavericks would do is they would put they would put him or they would put they would put Luka in countless pick and rolls and for some reason the Suns continue to switch where you'll have a lesser defender like a Cam Johnson or like a like a Chris Paul you'd have them on a Luka Barbecue chicken. In this series, the series against the Nuggets, you have Giannis going, oh no, you have Nikola Jokic going crazy. Nikola Jokic is destroying DeAndre Aiden and, and honestly, whoever they guard whoever guards or whoever is guarding Nikola Jokic. Now, I understand that there's nobody on that team that can really defend Nikola Jokic. No one. As we've seen, Deandre Ayton is not him. <laughs> but I didn't I don't think there was one time that they threw another look at Nikola Jokic the entire series. Now, you can say that the series changed with Chris Paul not being there and with DeAndre Ayton missing game six. But I don't think – I think if Chris Paul played, it wouldn't have been – it wouldn't – that nothing – much – not much would have changed. Chris Paul is at a point in his career where he's not really drastically affecting the, the outcome of a game. Or, let me say this, he he can still drastically affect the outcome of a game. I don't know if he's at a point of his career where he can drastically affect the outcome of a series. If he can do it multiple games. I think multi Williams is a great person. I don't know him personally, of course. I've never met him. I just, it just feels like, it feels like he has... He is so hell bent on his game plan going into this, going into a series or going into a game, that he he very rarely makes, if ever, makes adjustments, and that doesn't work in a playoff series, as we've seen the last two to three years in the playoffs. Don't get me wrong, man. The Suns have been one of those teams where they should have been good enough, and they are good enough to win a a championship the sun's rosters for the last few years have been good enough to win an NBA Finals when your roster's good enough and you're and, and at that point when you get to the NBA Finals and when you get deeper into the playoffs that's when adjustments matter as we're seeing with Golden State as we're or as we as yeah as we're seeing with Golden State you know who didn't make adjustments the Memphis Grizzlies you see where they are you know who did make adjustments? The Timberwolves. You see where they are. That's the Monty Williams side of it. Now let's talk about the stars. Let's first talk about Kevin Durant. No, let's not. Let's first talk about Devin Booker because I just yesterday or just two days ago, I put out a real short praising Devin Booker and the run, the historic run that he was on in the playoffs. I think averaging upwards of 36 points while shooting 61% or 60% or above 60%. And I said that the only recipe, at least this point, that the Suns have to win is... Devin Booker have a great, have a have a historic game like he's been. And um, Devin Booker having an historic game and Kevin Durant coming along and, and, and having a great game. Those were the only ways I saw for victory. Those were the only paths I saw <laughs> that could have at least helped The Suns advance in these playoffs But as we talk But but like I said We talked about Monty Williams And I just heaped uh, An incredible amount of praise On Devin Booker But I have to honestly I have to be honest about What we've seen from Devin Booker And I let this Historic run Cloud What I remember from Devin Booker and since we're, 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 si- we're staying in this bubble, right, we're staying in this, <laughs> in fact, we can go all the way back to the bubble. We can go to the bubble. We can go after the bubble. We, 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 can, we can go back to the bubble. We know how great Devin Booker is offensively. We know that he's one of the best guards in the league as far as putting the ball in the hole. but let's go back to the bubble, right? And not just, let, let's, every single clutch game where Devin Booker is needed to be big, he hasn't been, to the point where last night, or game six, Devin Booker had a whopping, Devin Booker, who I said is averaging 36 points, averaging over, or shooting over 60% Devin Booker in a game deci- like a, a game where that he needs to be big and, and they need his offensive weaponry he goes 4 for 13, 1 for 3 from from the three point line and scores 12 points 12 points You can go back last year. In fact, let's do this. You can go back last year and in the playoffs, right? In the, in, in, in the game where game seven on your home floor, you need you're the number one seed. Again, game seven on your home floor. Devin Booker goes. Give me a second. Devin Booker goes three for 14, 0 for four from three, scores 11 points. You can even go a tad bit further. Let's go 2021. Suns playoffs. Again, I don't know if you're noticing this, but there is a pattern. The NBA Finals. NBA Finals. Let's go to game... Let's go to game six, right? Game six, NBA Finals. You... You're you're averaging 28 points a game, right? In the NBA Finals. This is 2000. This is the year you're in the finals. Game 6. Devin Booker goes 8 for 22, 0 for 7 from 3, 19 points. What I'm saying is this, we can praise we can we can rain heat or praise devin booker all we want and a lot of it would be justified devin booker is a is a really good player but what we're seeing from devin booker is it seems like the pressure of big game situations at least in the playoffs have has gotten to devin booker to the point where you are go, you are on a historic, an historic run, and in a game deciding where the the Nuggets really haven't changed their offensive, their offensive or their defensive game plan for you because you still have Kevin Durant on the other side. And you only dropped twenty one or twelve points. On top of that, one thing that was was a question mark was who was gonna be their third option? Because Chris Paul wasn't there, because DeAndre Ayton wasn't gonna be there, who was gonna be their third option, and you got a thirty-one point game from Cameron Payne. And you couldn't bring it home. Again, I'm not shocked. That the Suns lost this series, especially after like Game One, you kind of, I kind of understood, and I kind of felt, yeah, Denver is the better team. But to go to 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 lose as embarrassing as you lost the Suns, it's that that especially two years, three years in a row, in my opinion, four years in a row. If you go back to the bubble that that is it's it, that spell's change has to come now let's go to kevin durant people are going to say well kevin durant he had 23 points kevin durant was on a new team you know all i've heard and i've said it too so i'm not i'm not going to i'm not going to be a hypocrite and say i didn't say it but all i've heard is You can drop Kevin Durant anywhere and the team is going to flourish or the team is going to be drastically better. And Kevin Durant is one of the best players in the league, if not the best player in the league. And I saw I saw the comparison and the comparison was was I didn't really think of it until I thought of it. And it's like, wow, the comparison I saw for Kevin Durant was Aaron Rodgers. Now, you're thinking to yourself, Aaron Rodgers only has one Super Bowl. Kevin Durant has two NBA championships, two-time MV, two-time finals MVP, one MVP. But let me tell you and let me explain to you why that comparison is so good. His entire career, all we've heard about Aaron Rodgers is he is one of the greatest – throwers of the football or could arguably one of the greatest talents the league has ever seen at the quarterback position. His his ability to throw, the angles he's able to throw, the spirals, the, the arm strength, we have, ne- we arguably have never seen a, a quarterback with the talent and the skill level that Aaron Rodgers has, even the great Tom Brady. Now, yes, we understand that Tom Brady is the GOAT because of his accomplishments, but Aaron Rodgers is arguably a better talent at the football, at the quarterback position. But even with all that, he still has one Super Bowl and only been to one Super Bowl. When we look at Kevin Durant, a lot of people still aren't over the fact that he went to Golden State and in Golden State he won. He won two championships. But what do we know about Kevin Durant? Kevin Durant is one of the best, one of the most gifted basketball players we have ever seen. A seven-foot player that has guard-like skills and one of the best shooters of all time yet and still he only has two championships and those two championships came alongside Steph Curry who's the greatest shooter of all time, Klay Thompson who I believe is the second greatest shooter of all time, Draymond Green and that team it didn't work. I mean Kevin Durant made it to an NBA Finals in OKC but we know, you know, that didn't he lost to LeBron James in the Miami Heat and of course we know the last season in of, of go of When he was in OKC, how that ended. Golden State, very successful. We also know how that ended. He went to Brooklyn. We know how that ended. And now he's on the Suns. What I'm saying is the talent that Aaron Rodgers and the talent that Kevin Durant holds, there is no way that you only have two titles and both of which came in Golden State, two titles to Kevin Durant's name and one Super Bowl to Aaron Rodgers' name. Especially Again, with the talent that both of them hold. And if you want to talk about today, there's no reason. No way. I understand that everyone has a bad game. Don't get me wrong. I know that. No one can be 100% all the time. No one can be great all the time. LeBron James has bad games. Kobe Bryant, rest in peace, had bad games. Michael Jordan had bad games. Everyone has bad games. But a person as talented as Kevin Durant, there is no way that a you go eight for eight for nineteen from from the field and you take zero threes in a in a game six. It only finished with twenty three points, which you could say, wow. There's some players that never get to twenty three points, but for a player with the with the skill and the caliber that Kevin Durant has, that is a problem. So when you look at Kevin Durant's career, when you look at Aaron Rodgers' career, there is a huge question mark because it's like why did what why didn't you win more? I've always wondered that about Kevin Durant. Not the fact of why did not why didn't he win more. I understand how basketball works. Don't get me wrong. I understand. I mean, Damian Lillard's one of the best point guards we've ever seen. He has yet to he's never been to an NBA finals. That doesn't take away from the skill set. But one thing I've always wondered about Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant is one of the greatest scorers, if not the greatest scorer of the basketball. And why is he so far? In fact, let me tell you where Kevin Durant is in points. Let me tell you where Kevin Durant is in points. He's seventh. I understand that injuries play a factor but Kevin Durant one of the greatest if not the greatest scorer of the basketball when we talk about him being seven feet tall and can shoot over anybody Kevin Durant has only scored 4,878 points let me tell you who is above Kevin Durant Tim Duncan, Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Michael Jordan, and LeBron James. Like I just don't Oh, that's and that's the playoffs. I'm sorry. That's the playoffs. Let me let me go to regular season. Regular <laughs> season. That was the playoffs. In the regular season, Kevin Durant is 13th. He scored 26,892 points. Do you want to know who's above Kevin Durant in scoring? Hakeem Olajuwon, Moses Moses Malone, Kevin uh Elvin Hayes, Carmelo Anthony, Shaquille O'Neal, Walt Chamberlain, Dirk Nowitzki, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Kurt, uh, Karl Malone, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Michael Jordan. I mean, no, not Michael Jordan. I'm sorry, LeBron James. Now. Again, I say all this to say this. No one's going to look at Kevin Durant's accomplishments and say it was a failure. And at the end of the day, Kevin Durant could never win a championship again. And I don't think his career would be a failure. But I do think that when you look, Kevin Durant did not win as much as he should have won. Kevin Durant. Again, is one of the greatest scores of all time, if not the greatest score of all time. If my life was on the line and I needed a bucket, and everyone, of course, was in their prime. To me, it's one. Kevin Durant could be number one or number two. It's one A and one B. To me, is Kevin Durant or or Kobe Bryant? But I, I just feel that there there's there's a there's a level there there's a feeling of of underachievement when i talk about kevin durant in this game you're the be- you're supposed to be the best player on the floor and that's no offense to Nicole jokic but when we talk about individual play you are the best player on the floor and you get destroyed I don't know, man. It's it, again. I kind of felt that Nicole, uh, Nicole and the Nicole and the Denver Nuggets were the better team, you know, was the best team um when we talk about the Suns. What I didn't think was the Suns were going to lose back-to-back years. The same way, which is why I think moving forward that there is going to be major changes. There has to be major changes. I think now you're hearing you're hearing reports that they're actively actively going to ship or shop Chris Paul, actively actively going to shop DeAndre Ayton. I don't know if Monty Williams is going to be there. It's it's crazy, man. Congratulations to the Denver Nuggets and. This is yet another year where the Suns fail in epic fashion. So let's move forward to another series that is is kind of it's it, it, it's, it's it's perplexing me, and it's, it's it's perplexing how I'm seeing something from from both the 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 Philadelphia 76ers and the Boston Celtics that. I am not liking. First and foremost, the Celtics the, the 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 76ers goes up 3 games to 2 and you have a game 6 at home. Jason Tatum scores one point in the first half. I think he misses 13 of his four, of his first 14 shots. One point at half, and that's something we're going to talk about in a second. But Jason Tatum's first halves in these series has been, or in this series has been crazy. You have a lead. You have Joel Embiid. You have James Harden. You have Tyrese Maxey. You have Tobias Harris, and you lose at home because you can't close. And Joel Embiid doesn't touch touch the ball for the last four and a half minutes of the game. Doesn't touch, not 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 score. Doesn't touch the ball. In yet another game where James Harden shrinks, I, you know, what's there's one team that hasn't shown a glaring weakness this entire playoffs, and that's the Denver Nuggets. They've shown how they could lose. They're not the best defense or defensive team, especially guarding uh, uh, the guard position, as we saw with the the Devin Booker. Crazy numbers until game six. But Denver hasn't really shown a, a huge weakness. Every other team has and that's even including the Miami Heat. But what I'm seeing at let's just let's just stick with the 76ers right now. One you're depending on us. you're depending on two stars. One star, who of course is Joel Embiid, the reigning MVP. But he they he needs the ball given to him. He Because he's a center and because he's the biggest player on the floor, he can't really – he needs to demand the ball. And if he doesn't, he's not one of those players who can just get the ball and say, move out my way. That just doesn't work. You have to to give him the ball. He's a center. And kind of like we talked about – talked about with with Kevin Durant it's like when you look at James Harden you kind of feel the same way in fact you feel even more about James Harden James Harden is one of the greatest scorers of all time so how is it that he continues Just, I don't know if people know this James Harden I believe is second or th- second all time in three-pointers made passing rate right, like he's second all time he's one of he's one of the greatest scorers of all time yeah, James Harden is 25th all-time in scoring. 25th all-time. And and to put that in context, the number one three-point shooter of all time, Steph Curry, is 38th. So James Harden is one of the greatest scorers of all time. It's just when he gets in these – when he's on, he's on. We saw that. We've, we're seeing that in these playoffs. He had a 45-point game and then had a 40 point game i believe but he's also had a couple 17 point games he's had a couple uh 10 point games like so outside of them two, there's not, and Tyrese Maxey has played good but Tyrese Maxey is he's a, he's hit or miss he's always going to give you energy don't get me wrong but when he's off he's off and then of course it gets to and then i have to get to doc rivers and the same the same problems that i have with with monty williams it is it it's it's times 2 with doc rivers doc rivers makes no adjustments you know what's funny i have absolute i had all the faith in the world that the 76ers were not only going to win this series once they went up 3-2 but was was going to make it all the way to the nba finals because when you when you look at the matchups I don't think the Knicks nor the Heat can contend with the 76ers but now you lose a very you lose a very very critical game at home and now you have to go to Boston which is one of the toughest road environments in NBA, in in sports and win a game seven when you were lucky to win a game six or no game, uh, game five. I have absolutely no faith that the 76ers are going to win now. None, I think they were lucky to win game five. And I know this the score doesn't look like it, but I don't, I don't, I don't see it. I don't I don't see a duplicate. Cause what, what I what you should have done was you should have handled business kind of like we'll talk about a little bit in with Golden State and, and, and the Lakers. Do you handle business when you're able when you have to handle business? Because the last thing you want to do is is have a favorable hand in cards and not and play it terribly. The 76ers had a have, had a favorable hand. You're up 3-2. You're at home. Jason Tatum is having the worst game of his career. And we're sitting here today. The series is tied 3-3. And going back to Boston. It's crazy. And on the Boston side, they say that and shout out to Tim Leckler. He explained it a lot further than I'm going to explain it. But they say that times your team embodies the personality of the coach or the personality of the best player. For instance, the, the Miami Heat, they embody the personality of not only their best player, but their coach, Eric Spoelstra and Jimmy Butler. Tough, rugged. The... The, the 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 seventy the, the 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 Knicks embody their best their 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 coach and their best player, Jalen or Eric Tom Thibodeau and and uh, Julius Randle, as we're seeing the inconsistency of the Knicks. The Celtics embody the 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 personality and the and. The, 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 I guess you can say the personality of their coach, which is Joe Missoula. The problem with that is we're seeing glaring weaknesses out of Missoula. Glaring weaknesses. One thing that the coach, all right. Let me tell you the, 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 Why coaching is so important in the playoffs. Now, in basketball, of course, as we know, the players win games. If you have a LeBron James, if you have a Steph Curry, if you have a Giannis, if you have an Anthony Davis, if you have a Joel Embiid, you're supposed to have a definitive advantage because you have the better player. You have the best player in the series. The best player in the series has won every single series. When we talk about the Nuggets and Timberwolves, who's the best player? Nicole Yokish, he advanced. The Suns and Clippers, who's the best player? Kevin Durant, he advanced. The Kings and Warriors, who's the best player, Steph Curry, he advanced. Grizzlies and Le- Grizzlies and Lakers, who's the best player? LeBron James and Anthony Davis, they advanced. The only team, the only one that did not advance that had the best player was the Bucks. That's the only one. Every other series, the best player has advanced. Coaching, and like, I, like I talked about with the Golden State Warriors series, and like I talked about with, with Monty Williams, you're supposed to be able to adjust, to adjust to what's happening. You have at least, or you have at most seven games to get it right. And too many times I have seen, the, and I talked about this in the short that I just dropped. The Celtics have they they go through lulls, and and if they're not hitting, they're not hitting. Again, Jason Tatum, his first halves in these entire series uh, or in this series has been god awful. Now, yes, he he did come come up clutch in game uh, last games fourth quarter but I think going into the fourth quarter he had five points I think he scored 16 in the fourth but again he had five points this is your best player but Missoula there's too many times where he doesn't he he had late game situations that's another thing with coaches you draw up plays and draw up game plans late game situations he looks lost He looks in over his head a lot of times Now I think ultimately he's going to be a good coach But in situations like that That's why the Celtics look god-awful in late-game situations When you have Marcus Smart taking the ball Or shooting the ball more than you have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown When Jalen Brown can't touch the ball for a good five minutes Like, what are we doing? This series frustrates me so much Because I see a pathway to victory for both teams. And when I mean victory, I see a pathway to the NBA Finals. And ultimately winning a championship for both teams. But I also see glaring weaknesses that can have both teams remaining in the semifinals. And while, yes, Joel Embiid is the best player. Jason Tatum he hasn't been consistent and again we talk about legacy talk the same thing that we're seeing from James Harden inconsistency in big moments so think about this and this is this is this is the biggest indictment on the 76ers do you have any faith outside of Philly fans do you have any faith that they're going to upset the Boston Celtics at home. And on top of that, do you have any faith that James Harden is going to have a big game in a game seven on the road? Me neither. Again, I'm going to, I'll be brief because I don't know the outcome of this game, which is, of course, tonight. Uh, and that is the Golden State Warriors and Lakers series. I think that the Lakers understand, and Golden State understands as well that this is the Lakers' Game Seven. The Lakers were up three-one, Golden State one in, dis- in, in de- decisive or yeah, decisive fashion in Game Six. Oh no, Game Five. the The, the Lakers understand. That this is their game seven. Because when you that's that's what you've been hearing all week. When you when you're playing against a champion, you have to knock them out. You have to finish them. And the last thing you want to do, the last thing anybody wants to do is is which is one of the biggest reasons. One of the biggest problems I had with the 76ers is you do not want to give the better team life Golden State is hanging on by a thread a thread and that thread will turn into a seismic rope if they do if they win game six you're talking about a Golden State that has struggled on the road all year if they win game six that will be their 14th win on the road all year And one thing that we know about basketball is role players play better at home. So you are you need a big game from D'Angelo Russell. You need a big game from Austin Reeves. You need – or at least one of them, Dennis Schroeder, Justin – or Jared Vanderbilt, Lonnie Walker. Lonnie Walker, I think, had four points last game. So, again, I'm not going to sit and talk about – oh, I'm not going to sit and talk about it a lot because it's already happened at this point, but the Lakers understand, they have to understand that this is their game seven. And I say that because if you don't win at home, imagine the confidence boost that that gives the Golden State Warriors, having a game seven at home against a team that they, at this point, have beaten two times in a row, one of which at home. And if you look, outside of the two blowouts, the, this series has been close. I I think that this, the Lakers understand, especially with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and nobody on the Golden State Warriors can defend Anthony Davis, as we've seen this entire series. I think that my prediction is the Lakers are going to win. Um, But... They need to win, and I and I understand that this this series has gone eerily similar to uh, the Memphis Grizzlies and Lakers series. However, Golden State is not Memphis. Now, again, I think that the Lakers are going to win, so this is all you know. But if they don't, boy, if they don't, and the same goes for the Heat. I have more faith in the Heat than I do with the Lakers if the Heat lose. But the last thing the Heat want to do is go back to New York for Game 7. That's the last thing you want to do. I think the Heat are a better team or have been the better team this entire series. But, again, the last thing you want to do is give a, a, a an opponent the life and, that, and momentum, that is a momentum swing. That's one thing that we saw, since you want to talk about it. That's one thing that we saw in 2016, the NBA Finals, Golden State and Cleveland. Cleveland won because of three reasons, two reasons, three reasons. They won because uh, Draymond Green got suspended. Bogut got hurt, and he was out for the rest of the rest of the series. And with those two incidents happening, the the all the momentum shifted to the Lakers. I mean, no, to Cleveland and LeBron James and Kyrie Irving. Momentum is a dangerous thing to lose, and I think right now, even though they did lose the last game, the momentum. And the pressure is on the home teams, the Lakers and the Heat. Close it out because the last thing you want to do is give a team that, that is desperate and a give it, give a team that thinks they, they should be or thinks that they can beat you, give them a leg up. It's the last thing you want to do. So, again, I'm not staying on it long. I think the Heat are going to win, and I think the Lakers are going to win. So we'll talk about it. The the NFL schedules were released, and it's a big moment because the NFL schedules kind, sort of, give a map of how the season could ultimately end up. Not because, of course, the schedule and who they're going to play, but the strength of schedule matters. And who you play, when you play them, where you play them, that matters. Which is why teams and the NFL in general make it a big spectacle that they release this the schedule. I mean, shouts out to you know the Titans. They had a really clever way of of releasing schedule. Shouts out to the Jaguars. They had a really clever way. Shouts out to the Chargers. They had an anime way. It's just it's a big moment for the for this. It's pretty much the hey we're back, and. I'm going to talk about three winners and of course these are just we're just dissecting the schedule. I'm not going to talk about every single one of them, but we're dissecting three winners of the schedule and three losers. And when I say losers, the schedule was brutal for these teams. Let's talk about the winners. Let's first talk about of course the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers find themselves in a position that they haven't been in in a while and that is a posi- a position of unknown. You have a new coach quarterback and jordan love you don't know what you have yes you have still have a good team but the the league is is it's a quarterback driven league and it doesn't matter how good you are if you don't have the have the quarterback you're you're there's a cap i.e the san francisco 49ers and when you're when you're a team that has a lot of question marks at the quarterback position, going into the season, you want you want as many layups as possible. You want as many I'm not gonna say sure wins, but as many teams where you could win you want them as much as possible and one of the biggest reasons why i think the green bay packers were was a winner is because when you look their first game is against a bad chicago team and not just bad chicago team but a bad defense you do not want jordan love's first few games to be world beaters on the defense like you (laughs) we'll talk about some teams in a second but you do not want your new franchise quarterback or possibly your franchise quarterback. You do not want him to go against a St. Uh, uh, a death row of defenses. And you don't, I mean, Chicago had one of the worst defenses last year. You play them week one, week two, Atlanta. We know their defense is terrible. Uh, it gets a little more difficult, but you're playing them at home. You're playing the Saints at home. Now, yes, they have a good defense, but you're playing them at home in the climate and the weather. The Detroit, their defense is still a little suspect. The Raiders, their defense is terrible. The the um, the Broncos in Week 7, their defense is good, but, again, we don't know. Uh, the Vikings, the Rams... Like you're playing the first time you're playing against a real elite defense is probably week three, but you're playing them at home, and week seven. So that that really helps for a young quarterback, a young quarterback that's getting like the first year where the team is pretty much his. That that is that spells definite win for um, the Green Bay Packers. Another one is the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens had a very loud offseason, of course, with the whole uh, Lamar Jackson deal and everything, but they were able to get it done. So you, what you want is you want some easy layups. You want some easy layups to start a, start off because you want to get the you know you want to get the mojo. You want to get the morale. You want to get the the city back to liking the team. Because of course with this Lamar Jackson thing, you saw a divide between the team and Lamar Jackson as well as the the fans. Well, you get a Houston Texans team, which that's I mean, that's an easy that should be an easy win. Of course you have the Bengals, but and and it's at the Bengals, but that's in the, a divisional game. We always know where those go. Um the Colts should be a win. The Browns should be a win. We do now we do want to see what what um, Deshaun Watson looks like with, you know, is he ever going to get back to his his prime years? But that should be a win because they've had some flux on the defense side of the ball. Of course, Pittsburgh's always a tough tough match, but you're playing against Kenny Pickett and of course the Tennessee Titans. Like they they have yeah from week six, Tennessee Titans should be easy. Detroit we, we're thinking a lot of people are thinking they they're, they're going to be really good which I think they will be but you still have the best quarterback theres on the Arizona Cardinals Seattle Seahawks so I just think that this this shapes up to be a really good season for the Ravens and I think that when you start off with a cupcake and then you start off with a division rival which is tough don't get me wrong but then you follow it up with the Colts I think that that is a favorable start outside of the Cincinnati Bengals um, and then you get Cleveland, but it is at Cleveland, so, you know. And a last win, I would say the Lions. Now, yes, it's tough that you have to start the season with the Kansas City Chiefs. That's that's tough. <laughs> at Kansas City. On, uh, was it Thursday Night Football? Ugh, that's tough. Season opener. But out after that, you have the Seahawks. And a lot of people are saying the Seahawks are going to be good. I think they're going to be good, but... Is the Geno Smith that we saw last year, is that just like an outlier or is that the new Geno Smith? And the defense, which they did address a lot of the defense, is it going to be good? You don't. We don't know. Uh, you have Atlanta that should be a cupcake. Again, Green Bay, you, the, this is a new age for Green Bay. They have a good team, but the quarterback is still a question mark. Uh, the, the Carolina Panthers, you have a rookie quarterback the Tampa Bay Buccaneers so they're, they're probably going to be awful this year. So I think that it's when we talk about favorable schedules, there there's a bunch of teams that have favorable schedules. I think the the Dolphins is a team that had a pretty a very favorable schedule. Um, again, Detroit, Green Bay, the Ravens, I, I I think those are you can say those are winners as far as the schedule goes for this year. On top of some winners there are definitely some losers and let me tell you something one of the biggest losers of <laughs> one of the biggest losers of this schedule release was the was the Giants let me tell you their first few games Dallas On the road at Carolina. On the road at San... uh, At San Francisco... Or not Carolina. uh, Arizona. On the road at San Francisco. You play the Seahawks. Then you're on the road at the Dolphins. On the road at the Bills. Then you got Washington. Then you got the Jets. Like, weeks out... The only cupcake, I guess you can say, are the Arizona Cardinals. But even that's on the road. So on the wo- on the road and then you have a a short schedule or a short week cuz you play that sunday then you play thursday against the San Francisco 49ers. They did them they did the Giants absolutely no breaks. You got ad you, you have Dallas <laughs> then a man mm. Again, your hardest games, your toughest games of the season are pretty much on the road. Of course you have it on the road with Philly. You have on the road with the Saints. You have on the road with with Damn, on the road with the Bills, on the road with the Dolphins, and of course you have the Jets at home with Aaron Rodgers. So, oh, on the road with 49. Yeah, no. They did them absolutely no favors. None. None. Another team they did not do any favors for is the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, yes, I I can attest, and I do believe that the Philadelphia Eagles won the draft. I think that you know, getting Jalen Carter, getting Nolan Smith, they they did a really good job in the draft, and I think that they were one of the winners of the draft. However, this schedule, man, think about this. Uh, from week six, week si- no, actually, let's let's go a little further. From week eleven, you're you're at Kansas City then you're at uh <laughs> you're at Oh, well, actually you're at Kansas City short week cuz you play on that Monday then you play Sunday you're at the Bills no I mean, no I'm sorry I'm sorry at Kansas City then you play the Bills and you play the 49ers and you play the play the uh, Cowboys and you play the Seahawks that is a tough <laughs> from week 11 to week six, 15 that is tough. And even week 16. Well, yes, I think they're definitively better than the Giants. It's still a divisional matchup. So they that is a that is a tough on top of that, actually, you can even go you can even start with week four. Week four, you're the commanders, divisional uh, then you at the the Rams. We don't really think much of them. Week six, you have Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, and you have Tua in the Dolphins. You have Commanders again. You have Dallas. Then you have Dubai and then Week eleven, the Saints row Like that's that is tough to go against the defending champs. Then the Bills, a lot of people have had them winning the Super Bowl last year. The 49ers, arguably the best defense in the league. Then the Cowboys, and you've got the Cowboys late at Jerry World. It's, it's going to be tough, bro. That is a tough slate of games for the Eagles. Now, I think the Eagles are going to be very good this year, don't get me wrong, but they didn't do them any favors. And lastly, I'm going to talk about is the Jets. Yo, you the Jets, again, new team. Or let me say, new quarterback, trying to get acclimated with with the team. The first week you you play the Bills. Second week you're at Jerry World. Fourth week you're in Kansas City. Fifth week, I mean no, you play Kansas City. Fifth week you're in Denver. Then you play the Eagles. (laughs) New week now you play the Chargers. Then week eleven, you're at Bills, and then you follow that back up with a a a quick or a a short week, and you play the Dolphins. Yeah, man. When you have a new quarterback, that's tough. That's your first your first game at home is going to be the Bills, and then at Jerry World, and then just two weeks later, you're playing Kansas City. At Denver in the high altitude, that's gonna be tough. You're really gonna see what these, uh, what the Jets are made of very early. Again, man, the schedule release is is really fun and really good for a lot of you know for all the teams, and they make a really big spectacle of it, which is really good. But some people have favorable schedules, and some people do not. So, yeah, um. I have been doing. Uh, I have been, I guess you can say, celebrating the Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage month, a month. Every episode, I've been highlighting a different person from that community. In this episode, I want to look at Troy Polamalu. When you talk about the safety position and you talk about greatness at that position, there's really only two names that come up, and that is Ed Reed. And Troy Palomalu. Now, yes, there have been great safeties throughout, but those are the two names that are get get talked about when we talk about the greatest safeties ever. And Troy Palomalu he, he has a lengthy uh rap sheet. No, let me not say rap sheet. He has a lengthy accolade sheet. I mean, you have two time Super Bowl champion. He's a defensive player of the year, four time all or first time first four time all first team all pro, two time second team all pro, six time all pro or eight time all all pro or pro bowler. He made the two thousands decades team. He is in the hall of or hall of honor for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh all team. And I think he's a Hall of Famer. Troy Polamalu was is when we think about the toughness and we think about Pittsburgh Steelers and what they represent and what they stand for Troy Polamalu is a is a perfect face for that organization and perfect face for the embodiment of what the Steelers are um he alongside Ed Reed really transformed and made the safety a a household name as far as position the way that he the physicality that he brought to the position as well as ed reed that's that's another thing when we thought of strong safeties and safeties you didn't really think of you know hard hitting you thought of speedsters and and someone that can clear coverage or clear distances and you didn't think of sheer hitting and 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 force and strength well that's what you got when you got when you had um talked about troy palomalu we know the famous play the 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 special teams play where he jumped over the the line to get the block and and we know about the incredible interceptions that he had he's one of the greatest uh usc trojans we've ever had too so i wanted to highlight troy palomalu for the um Asian, Asian American, Pacific Islanders Heritage Month for this episode. So shouts out to Troy Palamalu And there you have it. That has been today's episode of the Impopular Podcast. I truly appreciate you guys. Um, if you want a popular podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve joggers, the link is in the description below. Multiple different colors, multiple different designs. So get your Impopular Podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to if you're listening. Please subscribe to if you're watching. It definitely, definitely means a lot to me. And until next time. Much love.